as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. We are ready with my team to support any group of investors and bondholders who agree to come together for a class action to sue the Minister for Finance and to sue the government to reverse this decision. Government's debt exchange program faced with a possible class action in the courts as a minority MP begins canvassing for votes to begin the process. We'll be hearing from him plus other persons who are still reacting 24 hours on to the government's plan. Also coming up, Ghana Police Service stands accused again of a missing narcotics. Tonight we'll hear about what transpired in the Upper West region. And later on Eyewitness News... Say I. Those against, say no. I think the eyes have it. Parliament passes controversial 2023 budget without the expected drama. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business. Bank of Ghana announces upgrade of one Ghana CD coin with enhanced security features to begin circulation from Monday, 12 December 2022. That's in 15 minutes with Michael Ogudu of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the Upper West region on Bugli Radio 88.6 in Wa. Also on Word 88.3 FM in Zwarungu in the Upper East Region. In the Northern Region on Dasuma 99.1 FM in Yendi. In the Volta Region on Holi 98.5 FM in Aflau. In the Eastern Region in Somanya on Right 90.1 FM. In the Ashanti Region we are on Orange 107.9 FM in Kumasi. In the Bono Region we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. If we go to the Western Region, Eyewitness News is live on Premier 100.5 FM, Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM. All of these are in the regional capital, Takradi. Let's know what you make of the big stories you're bringing in tonight. The WhatsApp number is 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. You can send us tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Alternatively, go on our Facebook feed where we have a live broadcast for you and I put your comments there so the world will hear what you think. Mm-hmm. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamadu and I'm here with Enu Safo who kicks off with the first story. Enu? 
The deputy ranking member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Isaac Adungo, is threatening legal action against the government and finance minister, Ken Oforiata, to retrieve losses on investment as the government embarks on the bond exchange program. Isaac Adungo says the program will erode the value of investments, contrary to claims by government. He's therefore calling on investment groups to join him seek redress in the courts. I have been supported by a team of financial analysts and investment bankers who are poring over the over 64 bond categories that were issued. And very soon, I will present to you the level of damage in people's investment that has occasioned this announcement. But also, we are ready with my team to support any group of investors and bondholders who agree to come together for a class action to sue the Minister for Finance and to sue the government to reverse this decision. We are also exploring the opportunities that are available to ensure that investors are able to support government in an exchange program that meets the requirement of investors and government, so that government is able to achieve the twin objectives of preserving purpose investment and our economy, whilst at the same time meeting the criteria for the IMF program. That was Deputy Ranking Member on the Finance Committee of Parliament, Isaac Adungo. Some labor unions and notable organizations have publicly rejected government's debt exchange program over fears of a negative impact on the pensions of public sector workers. The government on Monday announced a voluntary debt exchange program in which domestic bondholders will settle for new bonds with maturity dates in 2027, 2029, 2032 and 2037. Critics have, however, questioned why the government opted for debt restructuring instead of reducing expenditure. The latest to join the groups opposing the program is the Chamber of Corporate Trustees, which is concerned about the lack of engagement prior to its launch. The Executive Secretary of the Trustees, Thomas Essel, spoke to the City Breakfast Show. One of the basic reasons why um, we reject this, I mean, stems from the fact that um, the Minister of Finance put up the statement and said they have engaged uh, stakeholders or bondholders, and we want to put this on the on the. We want to make it clear that we will not engage on any um, plan on this debt exchange program. What actually happened? Ah, you're saying you were not engaged. Yes, I'm putting okay. that on record. Okay, that we were not engaged. What actually happened is that um, I think around in October when they set up the five member committee, this five member committee met the industry and took our concerns, our challenges, our views. So that's what the committee did. I remember very well Mr. Samodonu even stressing the case that they are not doing that for any um, uh, IMF program or even though they know they are doing a debt sustainability analysis, but we should just take off our mind whether there is going to be a haircut or no haircut because that speculation has been there. I remember very well because I convinced that meeting and I was very... Um, present and I was critical to that meeting. And then what happened on Friday, Family's Day, was that we all called into the meeting. And when Dr. Sam Atkins or the governor and the Minister of Finance have made remarks, and Dr. Sam Atkins presented the debt situation of Ghana, and then they presented to us what have been the debt, what is the debt exchange program, where they said we are now putting all bonds of government into one portfolio and they are going to divide these portfolios into four.
that is into four different bonds. I'm sure you're all aware of that. The 2027, 2029, 2032, and 2037 bonds. And then with different, um, I mean, tenure. I saw that, then the announcement of the coupon scheme, uh, where the students are 2023, we are going to receive 0% interest on all the bonds, all the four bonds. And then 2024, we are going to receive only 5% interest on all the bonds. And then in 2025, that is, in three years' time, we are going to receive 10% on all the bonds and for the rest or the life, the rest of life of all the bonds. And mm. this is very critical because um, our operations, as we are all aware, say that we rely much on liquidity and also uh, maturity, the coupon payment. I mean, we rely very much on that because there are contributors or members of the team who go on retirement at any point in the year. There are some also who have contributed to Provident Fund who also come and draw down on their funds. And all this, you need to pay them with the liquidity that we get from the bonds that we have um, that bought from government. And let me put it also on record that almost about 80% of the assets of the industry are all in government GOG bonds. Almost 80%. So if we are 32 billion, 80% of 32 billion are all in the government of Ghana bonds. And therefore, if you have 80% of our assets, and you also consider this industry as a significant stakeholder or bondholder, or who plays in, in, in government of Ghana bond issuances, I think that there should be a better way to engage the industry. Okay. For you to also understand what would be the challenges of the industry with any debt program that you are coming up with. And that is what I think government missed it and government did not do. That is why the industry is taking this stance and rejected the proposal of the government. You heard the Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Corporate Trustees, Thomas Essel. Meanwhile, government has justified the debt exchange program as the best mode of expenditure cut to address the current economic challenges. In an interview with City News, Deputy Finance Minister Dr. John Kuma indicated that no other expenditure cuts will produce the desired results. For us, look, the government revenue this year from the budget is $143 billion. We are spending $2.9 billion of that for 1.3 million children of our country. How is that too much? So when we calculate the impacts on the population and the opportunities we are offering the future generation of this country, we as government think that it's worthwhile expenditure to make. And it's impact. the entire flagship programs of government is nine billion cities, including uh, what National Cathedral, everything that they are talking about, all the cost of flagship programs of government is nine billion out of the hundred and forty-three billion. So those really are not the major expenditure items to look at. Interest payment alone is fifty-four billion. But that's why we are doing something about it through the debt exchange program. You have to bring it down, but you can't bring it down because it's a rigid expenditure by law and by obligations. So you have to go through a process. Those are the things we need to tackle. Why don't we say it It has consequences to say Untia. And so it's better you achieve the same thing through an orderly and amicable process than a very unilateral, forceful posture.
you have seen the same results. Yes, so but why to, to, to give you some more room to relax. You don't need room to relax. You need respectability and confidence in your system. Because that doesn't bring you to the end of the world. You move on when problem comes, you solve them. You don't deny it and fight people. And so for us, this is a better way. Amicably, orderly, you craft a process, you resolve the problem, and you move on. You heard Deputy Finance Minister Dr. John Kuma. This eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. It's 24 hours since the government announced the plan to deal with the domestic deaths. Now, the first time the issue of a haircut came up, I recall, was when Joe Jackson of Dallas Finance spoke to me on eyewitness news. And he took time to explain the three conditions under which we can have a haircut. And that was when the government was having the debt sustainability analysis uh, or the DSA uh, with the IMF team. Now, it has eventually landed, except that the government insists it is not as widespread as was speculated. So we've called up Joe Jackson. He's Director of Strategy and Business Operations at Dallas Finance. Joe, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much, Omaru. Uh, Good to be on your program. Good to hear you too, except that you usually would be forecasting doom. So I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you forecasted, or you had a forecast of uh, doom for us when you said we were going to have a haircut. It has come to pass, but it appears it was not as stringent as you feared it would be, or is government you know, putting some, uh, or communicating in a way that would uh, will not put fear in, in the public? Well, first of all, the, the haircut has come. And there's some communication that leads you to believe that it is not as bad as it could be. But let's be quite frank. It has difficult circumstances. If you think that for the corporate institutions, and let's be specific, this haircut is first and foremost affecting corporate institutions who bought government bonds. If you're a corporate institution, the money you have is from depositors. So, Somebody has given you his money. That person will expect a return. So if you are a bank and you are paying your customers, let's say a weighted average of 15%, then a year without uh, uh, interest, zero interest, means that in that year you will spend 15%, but you will only you will not you will get zero back in year one. So to understand, let's say you are a bank with a tiny amount of government bonds, ten million. And I assure you, where the banks are concerned, ten million is a small amount compared to what they are actually holding. Ten million. This ten million represents depositors' funds. Next year, you will still be paying for that 10 million. Let's see at the weighted average cost of 15%. But that money will end zero to, for you. And so you will pay 15%, which is about 1.5 million by the end of the year, and you will earn no money. 
So that 1.5 million we're talking about hits your bottom line. Okay. And the other, that, that's one side of it. There's another side of it, mm -hmm. which is that the um, the new regime of four, what I call four amalgamated bonds, will be spread for up to 15 years. Now, what it does is that if you needed, if you had planned that I have this bond, then I'll get the liquidity in two years. You're not going to get the liquidity then. So it could have an effect on the liquidity of your institution. And that's why the finance minister spoke about working with the Bank of Ghana, with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and with uh, National Insurance Commission and the Pensions Authority to make sure that all these institutions that are going to be affected are provided with liquidity. So there are some nice words being bandied around, but the effect is still difficult, to put it mildly. Now, the other part is that if you are a contributor into an, a corporate investment scheme, which means that I gave my money to an asset manager to put, my money is small, I have a surplus of 2,000 CDs. I can't buy bonds myself. So I send it to an asset manager, he puts it into a, a, a unit trust or some other team and says, I'm going to buy bonds from the government on your behalf. The bonds are in the unit trust or the company's name. So they are affected by the haircut. And since these companies are passing down whatever value they have, which is what the mark to market was about, they will pass on any losses to you. And that's why, so if you are a pension fund contributor, that's how you will be hit. If you are a member of a, of a, a unit trust or a corporate investment scheme, that's how you'll be hit. If you have an insurance policy, which has an investment part, that's how you're going to be hit. If you, um, so, and it goes on and on and on. So that's how the individuals who have taken their small money and put it into a bigger corporate scheme are going to suffer indirectly. Okay, the government has said that the people who are in this pool are just about 5% of the population or even less. And so the generality of the public may not necessarily feel the pinch. What is your analysis of, of that statement? Well, uh, I would like to see the actual statistics that put it that way. Because remember that everybody who contributes to a pension is in this category. Maybe it's because the, the, there's such a large portion of Ghanaians who still don't contribute into a pension. So there are statistics compared to the overall um, population of the country may be right. But if you have a pension, pension schemes are by law supposed to invest their money safely. And these pension schemes were doing what at that time was a safe thing, which is to buy a government bond. They didn't buy a private sector bond. They bought a government bond. So in as much as 
maybe compared to the general population, it may be a small amount. It will hit the larger proportion of pension contributors. I contribute to a pension, so I'm going to be indirectly affected. I don't have, I don't own personally any government of Ghana bonds. So I am not going to be affected in that sense. But I'm a pension contributor. That will hit me. That's where we stand. And we've got to understand this issue clearly. It is. Yes, go ahead. Oh, you land so that I can come in. Okay, it is first and foremost clear that individuals who are high net worth, who are able to buy bonds in their name, will not be affected. But the smaller contributor who needs a corporate investment vehicle in order to participate in the investment uh, 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 process is the one who is going to be in, uh, indirectly invest, uh, affected. It's someone who wants to contribute to a pension who will be indirectly infect, infected, is affected. It's somebody who wants to have an insurance scheme for protection with an investment component that's going to be affected. It's good you talk about someone who wants to have an insurance component or insurance scheme for their future or any projects they want to undertake in. Usually we are told that the government bonds are the safest, or the safest rather, of all the bonds that you may consider, all the investments that you would consider, because at least you are sure that government will never run away with your money. So all the Ponzi schemes will come and go, uh, but the government is a constant and it will protect you. Now, government has introduced what it has introduced, which would affect you in the long run because of the time value of money and so on, even though they insist that there's no haircut. Do you think that generally the public and in, for that matter the investing community will start shunning away from government bonds? Would that make government bonds unpopular in the future? Of course it would. It would be abnormal for such a haircut to take place and everyone to still keep rushing into government bonds. So definitely, there is going, the government will take some amount of it in terms of its effort to raise money. Remember that we've been shut out of the um, foreign euro bond market, and the local market is going to be tougher. But it is what it is. The, the, the government has presented financial institutions and corporate entities that bought its bonds with a fair accompli and said, if you don't do this, the alternative is da. It is true the alternative is da. And so we have to take a rational, measured approach to this difficult pill to this bitter pill that we are about to swallow. That is the truth of the matter. We cannot start screaming and shouting because panic will not solve the problem. But it is a bitter pill. It is a difficult pill. And it will make it harder for the government to pick up money for its bonds in the month and years ahead. 
We are told this is a voluntary exercise. Does it appear to you as so? And if the bondholders refuse to accept, since it's voluntary, it means that you need their, their buy-in, what will be the consequence? One, on our debt situation, and two, on the bondholders themselves. Okay. Now, let's, let's start from where we sit. If we don't get an IMF bailout, the alternative is a scenario like Sri Lanka. The alternative is that. If we don't accept a domestic bond restructuring, we will not meet the debt sustainability requirement of the IMF, and hence we will not get an IMF bailout. So bear in mind that we are so broke that an IMF bailout is absolutely necessary compared to the alternative we have. Bear in mind that there's a reason why the government attacks the um, corporate institutions rather than individuals. Because corporate institutions work in regulated environments. Corporate institutions, have, we have a stake in a stable financial environment. And so when presented with this current situation, however bitter it is, however unfair it is, we are far more like, are likely to be amenable than individuals. So as much as it is tough, I suspect that the institutions will huff and puff, but they will swallow the bitter pill in the end. But it is still the better or the best option available on the table. At this moment, I don't see any better option available on the table. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Joe. Thank you. And remember, we shouldn't approach this issue with fear and panic. We should approach it rationally and try and work it out. How is the market looking like? Is the market afraid? Oh, the market is afraid. I have, uh, even for individuals who are not directly affected, I get a call every other uh, 10 minutes to say, Joe, what's happening? Is, 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 is my, I bought some bonds. Are they safe? And I'll tell you, you are an individual. You are safe. Another call comes. Joe, I have, you have money with, I have money with you in DLX Finance. Is it safe? I tell you, it is very safe. Joe, I have money in uh, uh, um, in uh, in one of the uh, unit trust schemes. Is this safe? I said, well, you lose some of it, but you should be okay overall. Are you saying this just to assure them, but you are in fact and indeed lying to them? I, I, Omaru, I, know me. I say it as it is. <laughs> I, I, I won't lie. I won't lie. If you're an individual under this proposed scheme, you are safe. If you had enough money to buy the bonds in your own name, you are safe. If you had money with a bank or financial institution as a fixed deposit, you are safe. If you bought treasury bills, you are safe. If you are an investor in a, in a corporate scheme, you are in trouble.
If you are a corporate body who bought bonds, you are in trouble. That's the sum, the, the best summary of what we are facing at the moment. Thank you, Joe. Uh, we'll come to Dalex and then we'll talk so that uh, in the future we'll be safe. Definitely. But as a Christian, I still believe this too shall pass. That's your religious part, but your yes. analytical <laughs> part is a bit suspicious of the whole situation. Tomorrow, <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Joe Jackson, Director of Strategy and Business Operations at Dalex Finance. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. So the reactions are coming in thick and fast. We've heard from a number of groups. Tonight, the Ghana Medical Association is speaking on the debt exchange program. When we come back from this break, we hear from them what exactly their fear or worry is and what their advice to government would be. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. We're sorry to interrupt this program for a breaking news story. Information reaching us is that the whole country has been thrown into a state of joy and excitement about the new look of Total Energy's lubricants. Our correspondent Kwame Owusu is standing by to bring us the very latest developments. Kwame, what exactly is the situation where you are? <laughs> Emmanuel, I must say there's a huge crowd here with drivers and customers extremely excited about the new Total Energy's lubricants bottle. I have with me here one of the drivers. Hello, boss. Yes, you are live on Quartz 202.1 FM. Tell us the reason for your job. My name is Wawaw, and for 10 years, I use only Total Energy's lubricants for efficiency and performance of my car engine. With a new bottle, it's easier to read, carry, and pour. New bottle design and color, new label, new cap, and security features with a QR code. Massa is the same superior oil quality. Challenge, this is performance at third sight. So you had it right. Total Energy's lubricants bottle have been entirely redesigned into a modern and premium pack to give you the best experience. Reporting live from the capital, this is Kwame Owusu. Courts, keep your engine younger for longer. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are discussing the government's debt um, exchange program that has been announced yesterday by the Minister of Finance and the reactions thereof. And lots of you have been reacting to Master Paul from Boko says it's now abundantly clear that the MPP has no clue on how to bring back the economy on track. What a pity. You used six years to collapse the economy and now planning to use 17 years to clean your mess. Indeed, integrity is missing in Ghana politics. As is Donla in Wah East says, Unabadongo to sue government over these unwarranted bonds is in the right direction. 15 years of debt restructuring is totally unacceptable, ridiculous and unfair to the future generation. In fact, Ghanaians are suffering with skyrocketing prices of commodities across the country and government is also busy with unlawful bonds. A.U. Farouk in Tamale North says that debt restructuring will rather destroy the weak economy. Zilis Dwin in uh, London says this government has failed us no long talk. You can send your message to uh, 0549 986 
0800-222-0996. Let's hear now from the Ghana Medical Association. It has issued a statement in reaction to the debt exchange program by the government. And it says in part that it is instructive to note that Tier 2 and Tier 3 pensions contributions held and managed by the various pension schemes, especially public sector pension schemes, are very heavily exposed, that is over 90%, to government bonds, including ESLA and Dachi bonds. The cuts in bond interest, no coupon payments for 2023, and the spread of principal repayment, as announced, will result in significant loss in value of our pensions in real terms over the next 5 to 15 years and beyond. With a maximum bond interest of 10%, starting from the third year, our investments in government bonds will return a negative real return for every time that inflation goes above 10%. Though the government aims for a single-digit inflation in the medium to long term, historically, that has been very difficult to achieve in Ghana even in the best of economic years. All these years, we believe will further, all these, rather I say, we believe will further worsen the already dire situation workers and pensioners will face, especially when their mega pensions have lost significant value owing to the depreciation of the city, high inflation, amongst others. So this is the observation that GMA has made. Now to the red flags. It says, one, in addition to the aforestated, the GMA is also concerned about the negative effect of the debt exchange program on private health facilities, private health insurance, and mutual schemes who have invested heavily with government on Ghana bonds. This, we believe, will impact negatively on patient care, medication supply, and claims management. The GME, having considered these, rejects the government's debt exchange program, as announced by the finance minister. We therefore demand as a matter of agency, that government takes immediate steps to completely exempt pension and other related funds, including the GMA fund who have investments in GOG instruments, and that no haircuts should affect the, princi affect the principal and interest of such investments. Failure of exempting workers' pension funds from haircut or debt restructuring may result in actions that will disrupt the industrial harmony in the country. Signed, Dr. Frank Sribor, President, and Dr. Titus Kofi Bayo, General Secretary. So that is the Ghana Medical Association's position. It is rejecting the government's debt exchange program. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Still ahead, we'll talk about the Ghana Police Service. There's a fresh accusation that has been brought against the service, and it has to do with some missing narcotics. This time, it happened in the Upper West Region. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. There's something special happening at Heritage Christian College. Their bustling campus is right in the heart of Amasaman, just behind the Olympic Stadium. And it will amaze you what they are doing there. Heritage Christian College is churning out academic excellence with their comprehensive range of degrees, including Bachelor of Business Administration programs, IT, and Theology. Don't forget to ask about their professional programs and short courses. What makes Heritage special? Heritage Christian College takes the academic 
academic experience further than ever with one laptop per student, flexible fee payment, entrepreneurial training with financial support, all delivered by a caring faculty working to develop your character and your intellect. Admissions are in progress, so call today on 054-777-731 and get accepted. For more information, go to hcuc.edu.gh. Heritage Christian College, a university educating compassionate entrepreneurial leaders. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka. In Accra. Now, the Upper West Regional Command of the Narcotics Control Commission has accused the police of under declaring the quantity of some compressed substances suspected to be marijuana. The, suspect, uh, the substance was intercepted by a joint police immigration task force at the Leiro uh, area in a community in the Sisala West District of the Upper West Region. Ishak Bukhari, no, Ishak Bakuri is Upper West Regional Director of the Narcotics Control Commission. Mr. Bakuri, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. You are supposed to be fighting crime together, including uh, drugs, illicit drugs and so on, but it appears you are having a difficulty with your partners in service. Tell us a story. What happened? Uh, well, uh, what I have to say is that uh, we got an intel about a drug seizure at uh, Liero, as you rightly reported, um, on the 2nd. Then I dispatched some officers to go and then uh, inspect the drugs. Um, I understand all the drugs were not taken to one place. And I... Immigration, immigration officers who were part of the patrol team took a quantity of the drugs, while the police also went away with a quantity of the drugs. So we followed up to Hamley, and then uh, 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 luckily enough, the immigration officers cooperated very well with us. They made the drugs intercepted at we counted the drugs together with them and there were 981 parcels of compressed marijuana. Then we later followed up to uh, Golu, the district capital, to get in touch with the police there to find out the quantities that are in their custody. We had some initial challenges but upon a discussion with the state attorney, uh, he made some interventions. And then the, this afternoon, uh, we were granted access to the drugs. And uh, uh, they declared 2,171 parcels of compressed marijuana with the police at Sielmo, whilst the immigration are also keeping the, uh, their, their portion 
at Hamilik in the Lambuse district. Okay, so is it the case that the police could not account for their portion? They, as I said earlier, they have been, they have granted us, they have granted us access this afternoon, and they accounted for two thousand one hundred and seventy-one parcels of compressed marijuana, which is in their custody at Fiermont, which is the Sesala uh, West District, whilst the immigration is also keeping 981 parcels of their compressed marijuana at Hamley in the Lambuse district. All right, so I just want to be sure. So the police has shown you everything that they had in their custody? They, they, they declared 2,171 parcels. Out of what, which quantity that they already had? We don't know. No, do you not take records? Do you not keep records when you give the services... Uh, quantities of drugs to to keep no we didn't give them uh, the parcels of drugs you know it was a patrol team comprising of immigration officers and police yes okay that, so that my point is that the drugs. yes so immigration has brought you some 900 parcels no they didn't bring us 900 parcels but they, they have in their custody away. they went to humble mm -hmm. they carried 981 do they still have that? Do they still have that 981 in their custody? Have you gone yes, to inspect? They are still having that 981. We have been there to inspect the drugs. We have counted the drugs with them. And it's correct. They were 981. 981 that they have. You went to the police as well and you counted 2,000 plus. 2,171 is what they also declared after this afternoon. So what is the issue then? Well, uh, the. The, the challenge we have as of now is why the drugs are not in one place, why the drugs were shared between the immigration officers. Now we have a portion of the drugs with the immigration at Amulet in the Lambuse district. Then we have a portion with the police at Yelmore in the Sala West district. Is that we not is that not standard? Is that not regular practice? That is well. That is not supposed to be the regular practice because the patrol the patrol team always have a leader, and when there is a major intersection like this, they decide where the substances should be kept. Do you know whether they decided on the scene that they split it into halves or into two, and uh, both teams keep custody of what they have? Well, that is the information we want from them. All right. We want to know why the drugs were split into two. As of now, a part of the drugs is in one district, another part is in another district of the Upper West region. But does it matter so, we, so far as you have everything intact? Well, uh ha, 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 the circumstances, it is very imperative that we get to know the circumstances. As much as it is important that, yes, we know that they are keeping these drugs at different locations, it is very imperative that we get to know why the drugs were split into two. But you don't have any evidence or any suspicion that some parcels are missing, do you? We are unable to uh, 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 confirm that. Because so, uh, we, we were not there when the drugs were uh, intercepted. 
Do, so, so as to, to the best of your knowledge, everything that they intercepted is what they have declared, except that they've declared it at various locations. I am unable to confirm that. Please stay on the that line for me. I, Please stay yeah, on the yeah, line yeah. for me. I want to speak to the immigration uh, service. So if you, could, if you could kindly listen to him, I'll come back to you. Ibn Yusuf Durana is... Um, so Ibn Yusuf Durana Abdulmumin Said. Seidu is the Upper West Regional PRO of the Ghana Immigration Service. Um, sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What does the Immigration Service know about these uh, drugs that have been were, were, were seized? Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Omar Usanda and City. And uh, also, good evening to your cherished listeners. Uh, what happened was that on the first, we had an intel. We we actually were embarking on a, a routine patrols between the police formed unit and then uh, the Ghana Immigration Service, a detachment known as Operation Conquest Fist. And uh, we had a tip off of a house suspected to have been hoarding substances believed to be marijuana. And then uh, we moved in as a team. When I say team, as a, a patrol team comprising of these two state institutions. And uh, upon uh, arrival into the house, it was discovered that, yes, the intel was a very well organized and calculated one. And then so these substances were actually found in separate rooms in the house. And so uh, attempts were made to actually seize them, and exactly that was what happened. So I can confirm that some substances suspected to be marijuana were actually seized in a house in a community called Liru in the in the in the uh, Sesala uh, district. And how did you come to keep or have custody of some of the drugs? Um, yes, uh, when the, the 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 drugs were the rooms were opened and the drugs were found, personnel were carrying them into the various cars that were available, and so at the end of the day, uh, 981 parcels of these goods were actually taken to the Ghana Immigration Service border post at Hamley for further action. Unfortunately, uh, we do not and cannot tell how many parcels were taken into the other vehicle that was being used by the SPU uh, uh, Ghana Police Service. Do you not count the parcels on site before taking them away so that you can have that on record somewhere written on a piece of paper or in a book? Under normal circumstances, that is supposed to be done. But at the very point that the incident was that hot, you know, there will be some kind of, if you like, resistance and tension. So usually uh, operations like this, the goose are actually, if things are not normal, they are counted at the point of convergence, not the, uh, the point of retrieval, because you might not know, whilst you are wasting time to sort things out and count, in the event of something you might not know. And this was just an unexpected uh, uh, intel or operation that was carried out in the house. So officially, they were not actually to be counted at the point of 
retrieval or where they were being hoarded or housed before taken to where they are supposed to be now. And how, that was exactly what happened. So how can we trust that the 900 or so parcels in your possession is actually what you took away? Actually, uh, when we arrived at the border, we we actually were not the only state institution that was that was readily available in the sorting or counting of the goods that arrived finally at the border. And so there is that evidence to the effect that 981 were picked and 981 arrived and 981 is in custody. Which other state institutions were there? As it stands now, I I would like to keep that to our chest because of the sensitive nature of the situation. But in due course, if authorities allow that out, so be it. How about the police? Do you have any indication as to how many they took away that day? Readily, I cannot speak to that. Do you have do you have suspicion that what they took away will be more than what they have accounted for? I am unable to speak to that. Thank you so much for speaking to us. My pleasure, Omar Sander. That's Ibn Yusuf Durana Abdulmumin Seidu. He's the Upper West Regional PRO of the Ghana Immigration Service. Uh, Mr. Ishak Bakuri, you are the Upper West Director of NACOC. Uh, you've heard the immigration story. You are satisfied, aren't you? Yes, I'm very satisfied. I told you that when we uh, got in touch with them, uh, they cooperated very well with us. They granted us access to the drugs. We counted it with them. So we were very much satisfied with uh, the immigration account of the story. Has, but, the, uh, has the police yeah. told you any story too? Yes, I told you that uh, initially we had challenges there. But as of this afternoon, because of uh, the intervention of some other uh, agencies, uh, we were called to come and then uh, inspect the drugs. We went and then they declared 2,171 parcels of compressed marijuana to us. And are you satisfied with that account as well? Well, as I said, and as you heard from the immigration officer himself, they themselves who were at the scene to, to see the things, they themselves cannot tell how many parcels were taken by the police. So, as I speak now, I cannot confirm anything. No, you are satisfied yes. with the story told you by the immigration service. That's why I'm asking if you are also satisfied with the story told you by the Ghana Police Service. Yes, at, at the moment, um, we are still uh, uh, waiting for a report because we wrote and then we are still waiting for a, a formal response. Then when we get a formal response, we will be able to respond to some of the issues you are interrogating. No, but because you are readily satisfied with the immigration, I'm just wondering why you're concerned. Yes, in the case of the immigration, as I told you... Because it sounds like you trust the immigration, but you don't trust the police. It is not. The case is that when we went to the immigration, as I indicated, we were granted ready access. And we inspected the substances. And we counted the substances with them. So that, we can speak to that. <laughs> okay. Well, how come there was a complaint uh, about this issue by NACOC? And what was the idea of that complaint? No. The, the, our 
we we are told we are told that there was a complaint to 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 the attorney general's office. Yes, as I indicated earlier to you, I said that we had initial challenges assessing the drugs, the the the, the drugs that were at Fielmore with the police there. We had challenges assessing the drugs, inspecting the drugs, and maybe confirming. So we have to seek the intervention of the state attorney because we have been working with them and it is they that do the prosecutions when it becomes necessary. So we sought his, his assistance and uh, the, the, we were then granted the, the, the access to the drugs. So we went this afternoon, we inspected the drugs and they declared, because where the drugs are packed now, they declared it is 2,171. By what date do you hope to have the full picture then? Uh, I'm unable to tell because they are to respond to us. So until we get a response and a formal response uh, from them, I will not be able to uh, speak to that issue. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you, too. That's Ishak Bakuri. He's Upper West Regional Director of the Narcotics Control Commission, NACOC. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3. CTF. And we've made contact with the Upper West Regional Police Command for comment on this issue. They've not responded to our request. Eno, what else do you have for us? The Ghana Private Road Transport Union says they will not reduce transport fares despite a recent reduction in the prices of fuel. Passengers have called on the various driver unions to reduce the fares following the reduction in fuel prices. Speaking to City News, Industrial Relations Officer of the Union, Abbas Imuro, justified their reasons, saying the frequency of increase in fuel prices cannot be compared to the increase in transport fares. We are aware, yes, we are aware something small has been reduced from the fuel, but the situation which we are now doesn't warrant us to reduce the welfare now. We research to find out why our business is crumbling and we realize that from May 2020 up to 2022, where I can increase all 73 times and transport has only been increased 67 uh, 473%. And we were researching to look at where our problems are coming from. When we realized that this is where we fall short. So they should reduce it further. That was Industrial Relations Officer of the Ghana Private Road Transport Union, Abbas Imuru. The leadership of the Concerned Drivers Association of Ghana, who agree with the GPRTU, say the prices of spare parts have not reduced, thus their inability to reduce the transport fares. No, my sister, it's not going to be possible because even if it were to be banking system, they would say the passengers themselves are in deficit. You see, and you see when fuel price goes up, it is not that it goes up immediately, then we ask for increment. No. Like May 2020, it was four cities, 10 pesos. It shoot up to six cities, five pesos before we asked of increment, right? When we were asking of increment in that May, it couldn't happen. But it happened on June. And by then, before it happened, it happened on July. Before July comes, fuel shoot again. We were then beginning with 
0.5 per litre. But before the price itself came, it came under 6.3. And the percentage-wise, you can't even add it up. When it gets to 11, 69 pesos, transport fare will be reduced. Uh, I will urge fellow transporters and then even passengers to bear with it. It is not that we, that we don't have interest in reduced price, but it's only it doesn't show things up. And it's, if we reduce it, the accident that will, the accident rate that will come this very December, it will be very alarming. That was the public relations officer of the Concerned Drivers Association of Ghana, David Agbwadu. Now, President Akufuadu says he's laid a solid foundation and made the most significant investment in the railway sector than any other government since independence. He made this remark when he officially commissioned a 900-meter road over bridge across the railway at Afenya in Accra as part of initiatives to open up the transport sector and conveniently cart goods from the Tema Harbour to the northern parts of the country. The government has assured that the Tema Mpakadan railway project will be commissioned in the first quarter of next year. Other economic benefits of the project include 1. Reduction of pressure on the road network including the Eastern Corridor roads, which are under vigorous construction, thereby reducing their early deterioration and increasing their service life span. Two, minimization of the cost of of transportation of bulk commodities, containers, and agricultural produce to the ports and other destinations. Three, provision of affordable, reliable, and alternative means of transport for passengers who are not served by the road transport system along the corridor. And four, construction, operation, and maintenance works of the railway infrastructure, which will provide direct and indirect employment to a significant number of Ghanaians. President Takufuadu there. Now the Ghana Water Company Limited will cut water supply to some communities in Accra. This is to allow for some maintenance works on the Tema Booster Station, where water from the Pong treatment plant is stored. GWCL in a statement says the Tema Booster Station will be partly shut down tomorrow for maintenance works to improve the quality of water distributed. The maintenance work is expected to be completed on Friday and some communities to be affected are Tema, Industrial Area, Bachuna, Lashibi and other surrounding communities. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Let's settle for the details now. 
The Bank of Ghana has announced that the One Ghana City coin has been upgraded with enhanced security features. According to a statement by the bank, it will issue the upgraded One Ghana City coin into circulation for Monday, 12 December 2022. The bank stated that the coin is similar to the existing One Ghana City coin in shape, forms, and images, that is, the coat of arms in front and the scale of justice at the back. The upgraded Wangana City coin, among other things, is bimetallic with outer gold and inner silver, and the latent image changes from a radiating star to a Wangana City symbol sandwich between two stars when tilted. The bank further encouraged the public to accept the coins and use them. Now, plans are far advanced to receive over 100,000 ounces of gold by the Bank of Ghana from some local mining firms in the country. This, according to the governor of the central bank, Dr. Ennis Addison, forms part of measures to strengthen the bank's reserves. Speaking at the annual dinner of the Chartered Institute of Bankers Ghana, Dr. Ennis Addison revealed that the bank has already sold over 75,000 ounces since the onset of the gold purchase program. One of the measures that we are taking to address this issue and to gradually rebuild the bed in more sustainable ways is the launch of Bank of Ghana's domestic gold purchase program. The overall objective of that program is to shore up the bank's reserves with monetary gold. The domestic gold program seeks to provide an avenue to organically increase our reserves upon refining of story gold without distorting incentives of the local gold users. Over the long term, this has the potential of enhancing currency stability and confidence in the economy. Moreover, increasing the country's gold holding will ensure preservation of capital of our reserve portfolio. The ability to leverage the gold holdings to raise funds at competitive terms for short-term liquidity management also an added advantage. Since the inception of the program in June 2021, the bank has gradually purchased 75,268.70 ounces of gold, with arrangements in place to receive over 100,278.67 ounces from mining firms between now and the end of the year. That was the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison. Director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESA of the University of Ghana, Professor Peter Korte, has retweeted calls on the government to review its flagship programs and also realign expenditure amid recent economic challenges. The government, in the 2023 budget statement presented by Finance Minister Ken Uforiata on November 24, announced plans to review key programs to reflect relevance, promote efficiency and ensure value for money. Speaking at a post-budget seminar by ISE, Professor Peter Quote further questioned the government's huge budgetary allocations to education compared to other productive sectors of the economy. We add that there is a need to review the flagship programs and realign expenditures. Because if you look at the expenditure for 2023, education is taking 18 billion, about 18 billion. Then agric is taking 2.15 billion. Trade and industry. 0.587 billion. Why the huge disparity in spending? Why are we putting so much in education and not also putting so much in the critical or the productive sectors of the economy? Agric is key. It was because of Agric that during COVID we didn't experience hyperinflation. So we ought to also 
put some money into agriculture rather than spending everything on education. As for the review, we are happy it's been mentioned in the budget that the flagship programs will be reviewed. But these numbers alone should tell us that we have no option than to review these programs as a matter of agency. Professor Peter Quartz is the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESE, of the University of Ghana. Away from that, as part of efforts towards improving the usage of LPG in the country, the National Petroleum Authority, NPA, has hinted at plans to approach the cabinet for a reduction in the taxes on the product. LPG usage in the country is estimated at about 40%, and the LPG marketers believe the figure could dwindle with the skyrocketing price of fuel since the start of the year. However, speaking during the launch of the LPG Awareness and Sensitization Campaign at the AMA forecourt earlier today, the CEO of NPA, Dr. Mustafa Abdulhamid, stated that his outfit remains committed to increasing the adoption of LPG in the country. Under the cylinder recirculation model, which we are hoping will come on stream soon, um, we are hoping that the bottling companies will own the cylinders and that when you come to exchange your um, empty cylinder for a filled one and your cylinder is perhaps out of use or outdated that the bottling companies will absolve them and put new ones or better ones in circulation um, we are hoping that as part of the crm process we will make an argument in cabinet um, to allow cabinet um, to approve for us to remove um, some of the taxes on, on LPG in order to bring down the, the cost of LPG um, considerably, you know, um, in order to make it um, available and accessible to our people. CEO of the National Petroleum Authority, Dr. Mustafa Abdul Amid. Ahead of the Christmas festivities, the Food and Drugs Authority is warning early shoppers to be circumspect of promotional sales and offers on the market. The authority maintains that some unscrupulous people may take advantage of the approaching festive season to mass undue profit at the expense of the health and safety of the masses. Speaking to City Business News, the head of communications at the Food and Drugs Authority, Rhoda Apia, admonished shoppers to take interest in checking expiry dates and batch numbers of products they patronize. This is not a time for us to go in for all kinds of promos and demands that are outrageous and may smack something that may be suspicious. For instance, and a lot of don't come in and sales to be done, promotions to be done, buy one, get two, three, and all. Perhaps the product may be near an expiry date and the seller would want to dispose them of a key. And it means that you just have to buy the, the quantity that you are sure to be able to consume within and the space of time in the it's not for you to turn so greedy and want to get all that stuff into your home to consume or to sell. Because if you are able to do so within the stipulated uh, time, you learn up a lot if you are going to sell them. So the promotions will have to be critically looked at before we touch these These are times where rice and some of these cereals, some unscrupulous persons also seek to rebag uh, rice uh, in, in other bags. And so you need to pay attention to the stitch line. Sometimes if it is something that has been rebagged, you see that there are already samples which have not been used by the the second line of pitching. So we need to pay attention to the right path. 
That was the head of communications at the Food and Drugs Authority, Rhoda Apia. Meanwhile, some patrons of food products have been sharing their thoughts on how they're preparing for the Christmas shopping. I do check the expiring date on everything that I buy. But as for Christmas shopping day, I have not started because things are very, very, very expensive. Very expensive. So I'm even thinking what to buy and what not to buy and when to buy them. Thank you. No, I have not started any Christmas shopping. This time around, things are expensive. So whether you start shopping and keeping them down or you shop on on. I shop right now. I shop as and when I want to. So when I know, I know I need tomatoes. I need tomato paste. I need oil. When it's finished at home, I just go and then get it. I don't stock like I used to. So I don't. But I'm still mindful of checking everything I buy. I check the expiry dates just to make sure I'm not buying anything that's already expired on the market. Those were some shoppers sharing their thoughts ahead of the Christmas shopping season. Well, that's all for the City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Michael Obudu. Thank you for listening. As always, please stay safe. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Time for Point Blank on Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sandamade. Tonight on Point Blank, the 2023 budget as presented to the House of Parliament by Minister of Finance, Ken Uforiata, has passed. There was a lot of controversy before the budget was delivered. But after the delivery, the budget debate, well, nothing exceptional. And the final day, not a big deal. It went through smoothly. The eyes had it. And so the budget has been approved. So let's listen to the final debate, which is um, the debate by Harun Idrisu, the minority leader, and Osei Chemen Sabunso, the majority leader, before it was put to a vote. Let's listen. The question we are asking is, is the construction of a cathedral when you cannot buy textbooks for people your priority. If it is your priority, it is not the priority of this group here. But we support the principle that you may want to support a church to have an edifice of a cathedral. But focus on prioritization. When children cannot afford to have uh, even proper meals under your free senior high school and other things, you want to spend 400 million US dollars. What? The 400 million US dollars, how was it determined? We demand value for money. Procurement. 
How was it undertaken? We demand openness and transparency when it comes to that. Mr. Speaker, let me now turn to the minister said something very indicative when he said that there will be no new bureaucracies, no new bureaucracies, no new institutions in the 2023. And Mr. Speaker, I ask him, the development authorities you came here and created, they are also building toilets and building school blocks. What is the Ministry of Local Government doing? That you think that the Ministry of Local Government cannot build water systems, cannot build schools, cannot build hospitals, it must be done by development authorities. So Mr. Speaker, it is the contention of this size of the house that President Nana Adutanko Akufuadu must take the moral high to reduce the size of government. And he must collapse many of these institutions into their mother ministries. All the development authorities can run under the Ministry of Local Government. The Ministry of Fisheries and Agriculture can run under the Ministry for Agriculture. The Ministry for Aviation and Railway can run under the Ministry of Transport. Let him reduce the size of government and make savings for the Ghanaian people. The AIDS Commission can run under the Ministry of Health. You don't need it under the Office of Government Machinery. National Identification Authority, we are told, is under the Minister for Interior. And Mr. Speaker, that leads me to you see now, the minister is very quiet and very silent on it. Now, one million one dollar per constituency, Yamutu. One million one dollar per constituency. Where is it? You promised the people of Ghana that if every year, you know why he has run away from one million dollar one constituency? Because the depreciation of the city imposes more burden financially on him to honor that promise. And then you ended up building KPIC toilets in constituencies and said you are providing one million one dollar. Let any member of parliament stand up and show that in the last six years of President Nana Dudanko and Kufuado, one million dollar have entered his constituency in pursuit. In pursuit. <laughs> in pursuit of the infrastructure for development initiative. <laughs> the media, you are invited to join me to visit this constituency. We will visit those things. Mr. Speaker, what remains ironical and probably paradoxical for many Ghanaians is now the promise by President Nana Adudankwa and his Minister of Finance, that give me two and a half years, I'll do better. What did you do with six years? That you now want us to give you two, two years to do better. What did you do with your six years? And you want us to believe you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker. Then I come to the matter of e levy our position on e-levy remains unchanged. We said that it was a disincentive to our quest to build a cashless economy. We should take advantage of ICT and mobile infrastructure 
to accelerate our development and to mainstream ICT in all aspects of our national life. Mr. Speaker, they are talking about bringing the e-levy threshold from 1.5% to 1% with no exemptions and they still care for ordinary people. We don't support it, but it brings you some revenue. So at least provide for a threshold of 300 Ghana cities for ordinary people. And therefore, when you bring the bill, we will insist that some provision is made for the threshold, even though in principle we do not support it. I saw the Honorable Deputy Minister for Finance argue here strongly, mentioning Haruna Idrisu. Mr. Speaker, I never ever on this floor said that we were for 1% e-levy at 500 threshold. I did, but I did at negotiations at the 12th floor. When I said 11th floor, leader reminds me, so Abina, if you are talking, Honorable Abina, if you are talking about, Honorable Deputy Minister for Finance, if you are talking about me, be sincere. It was not in this chamber not on this floor of parliament, not an official position of this minority. It was part of our negotiations on matters relating to EJPA and many other things that we protested, that I made an offer on the table, that can't you allow e-levy at 1% at the threshold of 500 Ghana? Then, Mr. Speaker, your able deputy, second deputy speaker, Honorable Siyama was sitting by my. He tapped my leg and said, Leader, it was through the door. And she, that it was too high. And I said, hey, Mr. Speaker, bravo, man, what do you have to offer? At that time, you, in the Ministry of Finance, boycotted and rejected the minority offer, and that gave morbidity to our offer. So um, our, our offer died on the table. So to turn around and want to blame this minority for your failing e-levy. Minister, take responsibility. E-levy, you got your projections wrong. And don't blame this poor minority. You got it wrong. You even projected 6.9 billion as outstanding for e-levy. You are in the region of 500 million. So probably, probably, if you want my education on e-levy, Mr. Speaker, I'm ready to offer it. If you recall, I said that the incident of e-levy was 3.75%. If you added 1.75%, so there was an existing 2%, and I thought that that 2%, the state could share it with the telecos. That is why I said 1%. Let them keep the cash in, and you keep the cash out. Because don't forget, they were charging it at limited threshold, 5,010 Ghana cities. Now you open the envelope for them to charge everybody. So at the transactional level, you are better off asking for the 1% using your regulator. I've been former minister for communication. I'm sure even mobile money, I can take credit that I was part of those who led its introduction, learning from Kenya and Pesa into Ghana. So what you did was to create an opportunity for the significant market shareholder to profit from e-levy and not the state or the government. You simply ignored us as your parents. The policies and reforms announced in this budget are simply just not enough. 
And it is the demand of this group that there must be major expenditure cuts in your budget. That's why some of your tax handles will suffer in our hands. For instance, 1.4 billion allocation for contingency votes. Mr. Speaker, contingency. He wants 1.4 billion. We shouldn't give him that. We should cut it. And so we will cut it. We will cut it. Yes. 1.4 billion. Honorable yes. Minority Leader, you have five more minutes. Mr. Speaker, I will stay within time. Then there is 10 million allocated for Ministry of Defense. For defense advisory services, to do what? Take that one to off and go and give it to school children. Then, Mr. Speaker, Office of Government Machinery, you are seeking to increase the staff strength from 1,500 to 3,681. You are ballooning and wanting to blow the numbers at the Flagstaff House. Office of Government Machinery, Honorable Deputy Minister for Finance, go to page 230 of your budget statement. Then, Mr. Speaker, I, I brilliantly enjoyed the budget debate of our colleagues. And Honorable Atachia, Chairman of the Energy Committee, was emphatic. I want to remind you today that that emphasis you place is a projection into the future and will hold the minister and you accountable. You said that the minister will save 12 billion U.S. dollars. So, December 31st, 2023, Mr. Speaker, we will ask the minister to account to us the savings of 12 billion U.S. dollars of payments to IPPs. We will. It is not achieved. It is a projection into the future. But we are saying that independent power producers whose contracts have expired, why do you want to negotiate with them? The contract has expired. Leave it there. Why do you want to renegotiate with them? Then, Mr. Speaker, I cannot conclude without raising the vexed issue of the Bank of Ghana financing government. is reported in this budget, 33 billion, is reported to increase to 41 billion by end of year. Minister, that offense, Section 30 of the Bank of Ghana Act 2002, Act 612, as amended. You are supposed to get financing of up to 5% of previous government revenue. So if you can take 19 billion from Bank of Ghana, 24 billion from Bank of Ghana, you are in breach of the law. And we are inviting you to come back to Parliament, we can say with the Governor, to regularize that expenditure. That is not acceptable and you are better managers of the economy. We didn't borrow this excessively from Bank of Ghana. If President Mahama in the NDC did as he then was, would have been better off in delivering more infrastructure to you, like we did with Terminal 3. Now speak of the cocoa sector. Cocoa contractors, road contractors on cocoa have not been paid. You owe them 14 billion. You are saying that you pay them over a period of time. Many of them will survive. It's just like your haircut on bonds. Many people will survive your extension to 2027, 2033 to be able to receive it. So, Mr. Speaker, there is freeze on public sector employment. I hope that it doesn't affect teachers, nurses, and doctors that we need most. Mr. Speaker, let me therefore conclude that we know and we recognize that 
Our country is in crisis, an economic crisis, a crisis precipitated by your incompetence and mismanagement of the economy, your excessive and irresponsible borrowing from 120 billion to over 500 billion in six years, exceeding and declaring Ghana a debt, high-risk debt, distressed country. So, Mr. Speaker, ordinarily, ordinarily, this is the budget. This is the budget where we should have stood strong with the Ghanaian people. So we say no to VAT, no to your debt exchange regime, no to your two and a half percent VAT increase, but to offer expenditure cap. But Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker. One minute left. One minute. They are praying that they are praying that this budget fails, and they blame us and blame Ghanaians. Take your failing budget. You have failed Ghanaians. Be mindful of rising costs of living. You have exacerbated hardship and poverty, and accept responsibility for it. The speaker, my colleague, the minority leader, related to the abolition of the rotos. And I agree that it should be brought back. It was taken off last year. And one of the reasons was abuse and corruption at the, at the boots. Nationwide, the tolls were yielding about 72 million Ghana cities. That's per year. Estimates were that they could have had rating a minimum of 200 million if they were properly managed. Mr. Speaker, but the country was earning just about a third of the potential yield. The way to go is electronic books. Now, if on the average vehicles should pay about five cents, which is about 35 cents now, and we introduce electronic devices, we should be able to rake in a minimum of one billion Ghana cities from the road tolls alone. And Mr. Speaker, we should go back as to that as one of the prime revenue measures. At the same time, the minister also related to a 12-point expenditure measures that have been introduced. First, to reduce the threshold of the EMR funds from 25% of tax revenue to 17.5% of tax revenue. Raise the lead payment per beneficiary household from the current 45 Ghana cities per month an increase the number of beneficiaries from 344,185 households. It is to protect the very vulnerable. The speaker, the third matter that he raised is to increase the school feeding caterer payment rate from the current one city to, per child to one city 20 pesos. How I wish that perhaps we could increase it to at least, to at least 130 or one, one CD 40 pesos or one CD 50 pesos. The minister also promised to eliminate, that is the budget, promises to eliminate the subsidy on residual fuel oil and increase the price of uh, premise fuel to reflect market prices. They intend to continue the 30% cuts in the salaries of the executive. I know these are challenging times for us, Mr. Speaker, and I know that paradoxically, the demand on members of parliament um, to effect payments to the vulnerable and their constituencies has gone down.
gone up significantly, perhaps about 100%. But, Mr. Speaker, perhaps as members of parliament, just as the executives have done, maybe we could also, even though there are difficult periods for all of us, we could also utilize the opportunity and also show some example by sacrificing anything between 10 and 15 percent of ourselves to demonstrate to fellow Ghanaians that we are with them in these difficult moments. Now, let me fast track it. 2021, 10.4, and even now, when times are so hard, the first half, 1.6 percent, still significantly better than your negative 8 percent in 2015 and negative 7 percent in 2016. There was no Russian Ukraine war. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, mining and quarry. 2015, negative 8.3%. 2016, negative 0.2%. Today, our most horrible year, 0.6%. Positive. Mr. Speaker, so where are these our colleagues coming from? You are here on earth with us. Mr. Speaker, so one could go on and on. Your track record, your track record is so horrible. Your track record is so horrible that sometimes I wonder whether you have now been born into a country called Ghana or you have been here all this way. Your, your track record most, most appalling, most, most horrible. Honorable members, at the conclusion of the debate, as many as are in favor of the motion, say aye. Those against, say no. I put the question again. Honorable members, please don't use your mics. And also don't shout. Honorable members, I'm to decide based on the voice vote. So please just use your voice. Those in favor of the motion, say aye. Those against, say no. I think the eyes have it. Honorable members, the eyes have it. The motion is adopted. The House has accordingly approved the budget statement and economic policy of the government for the year ending 31st December 2023. The voice of Alban Sumana Kingsford Bagbin, the Right Honorable Speaker of the House of Parliament making that announcement after the debate on the budget for 2023.
And that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu, production by Bevelyn London, with support from Hansen Ajiman. Technical support from Daniels Kwashi. And the social media support from the new media team at CTFM and CDTV. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City973. The city is alive on 97.3. City 97.3. More variety.